So who is pumped we're doing the book of James? Yeah. Oregon State. Yeah. Ducks. Yeah. All right. Okay. Check it out again. Who is pumped we're doing the book of James? God bless you. Well done. Well done. All right. That was better. So I... Ohio State Buckeyes, number one. You, I wasn't going to bring it up. Thanks for bringing it up. Um, what's that? Okay, we'll get there. Anyhow, um, actually, I am so delighted, excited, pumped about the book of James because if you've ever spent any time in it, if you spent some time in it, probably many of you know many of the passages. It is, in, in some ways, just the most uh, practical, in-your-face, challenging, encouraging, stretching book in the New Testament. And I just, I, for whatever reasons, we started talking this, later in the summer about what we were going to spend our time focusing on in the fall, some conversations about uh, what would, would bring us together around the themes of community, what would be practical, what would help build up our, our value of everyday devotion and getting into God's Word. Um, the book of James kind of popped up as one of the possibilities for us to look at, and, and there was this, it resonated with so many folks. And so I've, I've just been so excited because it's personally been one of the books that's most challenged me over the years as well. Actually, one of our college students and I have been kind of encouraging each other to try to memorize the whole book, and I'm not quite there. I think Tad Baker's got it done. But it just seems like the time is right for us to take a look at it and dig into it. You know, because that's why we look at Scripture, is to get a picture of what it means for us to live out this faith that God has given us. You know, we dig into Scripture to get a picture and say, gosh, that's what it looks like for us to live it out. I was talking to Katie about, my daughter Katie loves reading the Bible, and she was saying, oh, my favorite book of the Bible, you got to read this one. It's about when all the snakes get sent out by God, and they bite and kill all the evil people who disobeyed him. And I'm like, Katie, you need to read happier stories in the Bible. Good Lord, mysterious. But anyhow, it's in there. And I don't necessarily understand or get all the stuff in that story, but the book of James, you can't help but get it. It's easy to say, oh, a lot of the Bible is hard to read, I can't understand it, I don't think I comprehend it. But the book of James, you can't help but get it. It reminds me of a great quote by Mark Twain. He said this, said, It ain't the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me, it's the parts of the Bible that I do understand. You know what I'm talking about? Because we, we just know and it hits us in the chest. God is calling us to something. And so I'm, I'm so excited about this book because when I read through the challenges of the book of James, I want to have a faith like that. I want to have a faith that looks like that, that's stretched and strong and built up like that. I want to be part of a community that together we nudge and encourage each other on to have a faith like that. Active and alive. Fully uh, engaging in the real issues of life. You know, this reminded me of one of my favorite Christian musicians, a guy named Rich Mullins. You guys know Rich, you know his songs. He's been gone 15 years now, it's amazing. But, and he was one of the most vulnerable people on the planet about his struggles in life. And I remember seeing a little video clip of one of his friends that he hung out with, who was Irish. He said they'd go out in the pub and, and Rich was just so full of life. His faith was so full of life that people would sit in the pub and say, I don't know what he's drinking, but I'll have a pint of that. I want a faith that people look at and say, wow, I don't even know what's going on in the heart of that guy, but it's real, it's authentic. I want my faith to look like that. And I think the book of James, it's an invitation for all of us to dig in and see what that would be look like. So see what that would look like. Um, first, some background. Uh, James is 
uh, was the little brother of Jesus. Did you get that? He's the little brother of Jesus. Because Jesus was the oldest because Mary was a... Okay, anyhow, moving on. Thought that might be funny. Okay, anyhow. But he actually was not a follower of Jesus until after the resurrection. Paul said that Jesus appeared to him, the resurrected Jesus appeared to him, and James became a follower, became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And even as the, the persecutions began and that his flock got scattered, he wrote this book to encourage those followers. He had a passionate, practical pastor's heart. And so I was, I was thinking about, uh, as we approach this book, it's pretty serious that we take seriously what, what he, he's written down. Look at some of these themes. These, this, this book is five chapters long, and listen to these themes. Perseverance, riches and pride, temptation, relational integrity, listening and doing, pure and faultless religion. All that's just chapter one. Favoritism and wealth, faith and deeds, Taming the tongue, wisdom from heaven, wrong motives, humility, injustice, and wealth, patience and suffering, confession and community, the prayer of faith. James just is rich of, with these so many topics that are real life, that hit us right in the gut. I think that challenges say if we put our faith into action, when the rubber meets the road, it applies to these things. So, a challenge to us as a community to read James together, to do it in small groups, to get together over coffee with friends. There's, we have some books out there. I mean, do it with your spouse, with a friend. Find people to connect with and read this book together. But can I give you a word of caution? Say yes. Thank you. Okay, good, good, good. I want to give you a little bit of word of caution on how, how I'd encourage you to approach reading James. There are some things you would never take from a stranger. A stranger just can't come up to you and say, my gosh, your clothes don't match. Now, they might, but you're like, well, whatever. I'm blow you off. But there are things that you can take from a dear and trusted friend. My accountability partner, Trey, and I have been meeting for like 13 and a half years together. And he'll listen to me vent, and he'll listen to me bellyache, and then he'll just say, gosh, i got to say this to you. It might be kind of hard to hear, but you got you should check this, man. Look at this. This is kind of a hard thing you need to look at in your life. And because he's a dear and trusted friend, I'll take it from him. Do you know what I'm talking about? My encouragement to you is that you approach the book of James in a similar way. Because there'll be things that he'll say and you'll be like, oh, I'm going to blow him off. He doesn't know what my story is. He doesn't know my challenges. I'm going to blow him off. But if you receive him as a passionate, practical pastor, as a dear and trusted friend, I think his words will deepen and encourage your faith. And he's he's aware that he's, he's bringing hard words because 15 times, 15 times in this book, in five chapters, he says, my dear brothers and sisters. My dear brothers and sisters. Fifteen times. And so, my friends, in this season, test this book. Test, actually, God, and test this journey to see if you actually could be invited to live more wisely in your faith, to live more faithfully, to live more fully, as we accept the challenges here to just, uh, to step in and trust and know that God is good and wants to deepen us. Would you please pray with me? Father, I'm certain uh, many of us have a level of fatigue or discouragement uh, where the last thing we want to hear is another challenge. Um, that we just don't think we got it in our tank to, to be up for another challenge. But by your Spirit, Lord, just speak into each of our hearts. Encourage us to be open, to hear these words in, in a new way, in a fresh way, 
that would light fires of faith in us, that would encourage us to know that you are good and can be trusted and that you want to be there so we can bear up, we can abide under the hard stuff in life and that your goodness will prevail. Lord, speak these words to us as individuals and as a community. Help us know that joy can be real. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before you open your Bibles, and I would encourage you to bring your Bibles week to week and scribble all over them and circle things, but before you open them up, I actually would love for you just to hear these words from James himself. If he was a pastor, if he showed up, if he brought his heart to this congregation as he did in this letter, this is what he would say from the first 18 verses of James chapter 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith will develop perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so you would be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. It will be given to him. But when he asks, he should believe and not doubt, because he who doubts, he who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed about by the wind. That man should not believe he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances should take pride in his high position. But the rich man should take pride in his low position, because he will pass away like the wildflower. The sun rises, and its scorching heat withers the plant. Its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will pass away, will fade away, even as he goes about his business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. No one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does God tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he, by his own evil desire, is dragged away and enticed. And then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. For he has given us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. That's the opening half of chapter 1 of James. And there's so much there. I mean, there's so much there you can dig in. And that's why you should get in small groups so you can really dig into it. But some things I just want to bring up for us to just reflect on today and set the course of the upcoming weeks is at the heart of it all, my friends, is a relationship. At the heart of it all is a relationship. How does he end that part? Every good and perfect gift is from above, from our Father, our Heavenly Father, who cares for us, who provides for us, who is there for us, and His goodness will prevail. He's a giver. God is a giver. He doesn't change. He wants to answer our prayers. He wants to be there for us. 
He wants the best for us, not the worst. God is a giver. And so if that's true, if God is a giver, then what's our response? What do we receive when we, we approach this task of understanding the book of James, knowing God is the father and the giver and the loving parent? What do we receive? Today, the invitation is to develop perseverance. Look at these opening verses. The testing of your faith might develop perseverance. Consider it pure joy when all kinds of stuff hits the fan so that the testing of your faith might develop perseverance. Perseverance is trusting God in all of life's circumstances. The Greek there actually, it means, it means to abide under, to rise up underneath and bear the weight, to be stable when there's a heavy load on top of you. And it's not just for us to do individually, it's a call for you all to bear under to, to stand under and abide under this weight and hang in there. Hold on. Trust God in the midst of all life circumstances. And this isn't just to grit your teeth and grin and bear it and what, what won't kill you will just make you stronger. It's not about that. It's the same word that is used in the book of Hebrews when it says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, bared, endured the cross, and scorned its shame. It's the, it's the knowledge and the confidence that God has something good on the other side. Not just that I'm going to survive, but God is something good on the other side. That's perseverance, hanging in there in the midst. You know, it's like, it's like a muscle. Our faith is like a muscle that we're called to exercise. And when hard stuff happens, there's resistance and there's struggle, but our muscles can be developed, they can be built up. You know, the, the most hilarious thing about this passage, is fun getting into the Greek again, is um, if you know anything about the, the language, it doesn't follow a sentence structure like we would use. It is total Yoda-speak. Greek is Yoda-speak. Because the first words in a sentence are the most important words, the emphasized words. And so the very first words of this passage are, All joy you should consider it. All joy. If you're anything like me, you're reading this, the stuff's hitting the fan in life, and you're saying, all joy? James, whatever medication you're on, I'll take some of that, right? All joy, what is that about? But that's where James starts. That we can know, because we have confidence in our relationship with God, that we can have joy that in the end, on the other side, God is going to be good. God is going to be good. But if you're like me, maybe you uh, relate a little bit more to a circumstantial faith. I've been talking to some people this week. One person said, you know what? When everything is going good in life, I kind of forget that I even need God. But when stuff gets hard, that's when my faith is strong. Maybe some of you can relate to that. Same week, different person. Gosh, when stuff's going bad in life, I don't even think God's out there. But when everything's happy, that's when my faith is strong. Gosh, I, I just... I mean, I've been a Christian 25 years, and I am so aware of how circumstantial the strength of my faith seems from day to day. Depending on how the wind blows, like a, a wave of the sea, like a doubting Thomas, I don't even know if my faith's going to be strong or not, depending on how my stomach reacts to my cocoa puffs. I don't know. The day just will come, and whatever circumstances might affect my faith. But, but James says, don't have a faith like that. Have a strong faith. Have a, a faith that bears up. So when in your life have you had that kind of faith? Where are times where you feel like in the midst of the stuff hitting the fan, you've been able to respond and trust God in all circumstances? 
Well, I have to confess that I normally only see that in retrospect. Like those footprints in the stand. I just see that in retrospect. My gosh, somehow I hung in there in that season that was so difficult and God was faithful. Do you know what I'm talking about? This, uh, this season right now, fall, is crazy for me because two years ago, my father-in-law, Paul, who's back there, um, we almost lost him two or three times to this crazy infection that, uh, that he had. And we prayed and we trusted and we let, it, we released him to God and said, if you're going to take him to God, or if you're going to, we'd love more time with him. And God answered our prayers and Paul, it's, I'm glad you're around and, and doing projects at my house. <laughs> love you, man. And last year, my dad, after a, a lung surgery, cancer surgery, on, on a respirator for six weeks, and there were three times that we just prepared for him to be gone that day. And we just called out to God, and we're just trying to bear underneath that, and just holding on, and trusting, and, and God answered our prayers, and, and my dad's still around and kicking too. It's amazing. But this season, I can't help but reflect on those things, and God was so faithful. Even when I felt like that wave of the sea being blown about, even when I felt like the shifting shadows, God does not change. God was stable. God was there. God was faithful. Now, I know many of you have prayed prayers for similar situations, and your prayers weren't answered like mine had been. And I don't understand that. And I know the words of these songs, you know what you give, you take away, you give and take away. Still, my heart's going to choose, I'm going to make a choice to say that I'm going to bless your name, and I'm going to trust you. Come what may. So one thing I'd encourage you today, when we think about what perseverance might mean, grab hold of a memory of a time when you know, without a doubt, it was God that showed up. And take that reminder and just sink it in your brain and sink it in your heart and hold on tight. God was faithful then. He'll be faithful again. Reflect. Think about those moments and be reminded. God was faithful then. God will be faithful now. Because I don't know about you, but I need reminders. Anybody need reminders? Take those reminders and hold on. White knuckle. Let me tell you how good I am at my reminders. Maybe all these miracle guys, these Lazarus, my dad, my father-in-law, they're walking around me, you know, I should have faith, you know, like to move the mountains. I am the biggest wimp in the world. I have this thing called spiritual amnesia that comes up from time to time, where it doesn't matter how many reminders I have, I still get forgetful. Anybody relate in the house? Okay. So, uh, I don't know, six weeks ago, I was just exhausted at the end of the summer. We got all this transition here going on at church. I was going to get away from it a little bit. I had a whole weekend cleared to be home with my family and do my honeydew list and stuff like that. I I was excited to get away. And I get a phone call from a friend, a dear friend of this congregation. He goes, just got to let you know, Chris, I got a tumor the the size of my fist in my chest. Oh, so mad. Not at him. I love him. God, I mean, what's going on? God, not even a, not even a break. What is going on? I, I can't bear up underneath this. I can't persevere. I can't trust you with this circumstance. I'm so angry. Anybody relate to those feelings ever? A couple of days later, Lisa's relatives call and say, hey, we're coming down tomorrow for the weekend. Won't that be great? Yeah, great. I was so mad. And the waves... The wind just blow and my faith just seems so flimsy. And so I went to one of the safe places that God's given me my time with my counselor. I'm just venting. I'm just puking it all out. I'm just getting it out there. I'm just wondering where God is. And I don't got any more in the tank. I can't bear up. I can't bear up. And my counselor just says to me, 
You know, Chris, cancer and cousins will come. How are you going to respond? Cancer and cousins and unemployment and physical pain and relational bustedness and frustration with people and on and on and on. Life will come. How are you going to respond? Isn't that the question that that James is posing to us? How are you going to respond? Trust God in all circumstances. Abide under, hold up, and trust that God's goodness is going to be there. Because He's got a good purpose for us. Read what His purpose is. God wants you, God wants me to grow. That the testing of your faith would develop perseverance for this purpose, that my faith would grow. Can you go to the next slide, Gary? That you would be mature and complete. That I, that my faith would be the full package. That I'd be grown up. That I would be authentic in my faith. God wants us to grow. The purpose isn't that we get tossed around by all these hard things in life. The purpose is that we get deepened and grow up in our faith. And God has also got a promise for us in it. That He wants us to see it all as gift. That God, the giver of every good and perfect gift, wants to see it all as gift, even the trial as a gift. So, the next slide, bud. So the promise is that God wants to see it as a gift. Because God does give generously to all. God's not like a guy that you haven't Facebooked back in three months who's going to be frustrated with you. He will respond to you without finding fault. He's a dear daddy. When you turn and say, God, I need you, he's there. He's there. And it will be given. Maybe sometimes not in the way we'd hope or like or wish. But God will be there. And then it's that promise in verse 12. The blessed is the one who does persevere under the trial because when he has stood the test... When he stood, he received the crown of life. The message version says he will receive life and more and more life. Real life. You know, as I've been reflecting on these, these passages this past week, uh, it was so great to connect with Josh a couple weeks ago. Josh Rosenthal was here because he almost lost his dad six months ago. And if you came out to his uh, concert, he told the story about um, just how uniquely the story of our two dads, almost losing our two dads, they just knit us together in this journey of seeing God's faithfulness in the most hopeless of situations. And I'm so excited. Josh and I talk about this. We're so excited about the day when he and I can be in Salt Lake and his dad can come up from Texas and my dad can come out and the four of us can have coffee together. And what are we going to do? We're going to relish in the goodness of God. We're going to relish in the goodness of God. Isn't God amazing? Isn't God amazing? But we got to be honest, because for you today, and even for me, there are still other trials that are coming, that are present, testing that's happening. And maybe you're in a pretty discouraged place about it. Maybe it's hard to name it. Maybe it's hard to take that thing and figure out what's it mean to trust this to God. Maybe you're feeling numb. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed. Maybe you're angry. And joy is the last thing you could imagine being real in the midst. And I I guess the thing I most want to impress upon your hearts is spend time with this trusted friend James and know that God can be trusted as you persevere. He's got 
a purpose for us to grow up. He's got a promise to be the good and perfect giver of what we need. God can be trusted. Because it takes me back to relationship. That heavenly parent who's there to give us every good and perfect thing, we got to reflect on our relationship with God. How do I see my relationship with God? Because I, I've grown up most of my life knowing God's given me good things, and I'm trying to figure out what's it mean for me to participate, to cooperate in what God is doing in the world. And uh, recently, i got to tell you that I've just been struck by something amazing. Uh, one of my pastoral mentors 20 years ago gave me this quote. It's from St. Iggy, Ignatius of Loyola. This is the quote. Okay? It says, Work as if everything depended on you, and pray as if everything depended on God. Maybe you've heard that before. Actually, it's in AA stuff and other things. Have you heard that before? Work as if everything depended on you, and pray as if everything depended on God. And early in my ministry, man, I just bought into that hook, line, and sinker. And that's what I did. I worked as if everything depended on God. But you know, there's a problem with me, maybe sometimes you, us workaholics, is then I forget to do the second half of the sentence. Anybody relate? I forget to trust. I forget to, to pray. I forget to even say, God, this is too big for me. I can't bear up under this. I am like the shifting shadows. I am like the wave of the sea. I am blown all about. And so this got me in a place of just knowing that my own issues, I just would end up in a dead end, always thinking, I can't work hard enough to bear up. But I was given a precious gift just a couple weeks ago, reading in a book by Brennan Manning, who actually corrects this quote and says, this is the actual way that it was written by St. Iggy all those years ago. Listen to this. Work as if everything depended on God. And pray as if everything depended on you. Work as if everything depended on God, and then pray as if everything depended on you. Do you see the power of the difference? The amazing difference, the freedom of the difference. Because I know that God has called me to to work out my salvation, to be involved in this, but it doesn't depend on me. It doesn't depend on you. God is the one who doesn't change like shifting shadows. God is the one who can actually bear up underneath and be solid. And so I can do my best and somehow uh, discern being called into relationship with God and working out my faith, but ultimately it depends on God. And then my prayer life is to be directed in such a way that I know that something does depend on me, and so I seek out the Spirit. and say, God, lead me, guide me, nudge me, direct me to be involved in what you're doing here. i got a part to play, and so I want to be in relationship with in conversation with you so I know how to play my part. But it doesn't depend on me. Do you see the difference in those two quotes? And for me, I'd say that's at the heart of what James would want us to get across to us. The joy is in the freedom that it doesn't depend on us. It's a God who's a good and perfect giver. And this reflects so beautifully in Philippians chapter 2. Listen to this quote where Paul writes, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Just be amazed at working out your faith. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his what purpose? Good, perfect. Perfect purpose. The freedom of developing perseverance. The freedom of being able to trust God no matter what circumstances. Because, my friends, cancer and cousins will continue to come. And the question is, how will we respond? 
Join me in this season. Dig into James. Journey with others to, to discover what it would be like to have a faith that can say, I'm going to count it all joy. All joy. Would you please pray with me? Father, so many times we feel bad about the faith we don't have or the gaps in our faith and we get frustrated and discouraged. Lord, help us just exercise the faith we do have as individuals, as a community, and trust you where we're at in our journey right now, whatever trials might come. To know that you have a bigger picture going on, that you've got a purpose to grow us up, you've got a promise to care and to provide for us. And Lord, may all these things just nurture us in a deeper dependence and relationship with you. Lord, help us be grateful for your goodness and trust you even in the times where we struggle to believe it all. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.